I'm ready. Hey guys, welcome to Ball Down South Sports Wave. Uh, this is going to be our weekly recap show. And tonight I got John Hammonds in with me. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Doing well. We had a fun round of games this weekend. What did you think about some of those games? Man, I I was excited. You know, college football is back in the air. You know, they we, we found out about some teams. We found out how great, great some teams are. And, and let's just get down to it and talk about it. All right. So one of the first games of the weekend was the West Virginia Pitt game. And, you know, it came down to the wire. It was one of the best games of the night on Thursday night. And uh, what do you think of the ending of that game? <laughs> I mean, how many games do you see end on a pick six late in the game, Mike? I mean, it was just – West Virginia should have won that game, to be honest, because you look at it from a coaching perspective. You know, they had fourth and, what, inches, and they punted the ball instead of going for it. And I felt like that was the main issue there to where they lost, how they lost the game. And, you know, at the end of the day, Pitt won. Um, it was a big win for Pitt. You know, now they get Tennessee at home this weekend. So, and then West Virginia, I think they play Kansas this week. So maybe West Virginia can bounce back and get in the win column this week. Yeah, you know, um, they di they didn't go for it on that fourth and inches, and they had them out there and called the timeout, and they come out after the timeout and didn't go for it and punted. Um, and then you was talking about on the pick six, you know, that went right through a West Virginia receiver's hands. Just It was just one of them deals. It just it, it happens, and... Sometimes you just can't control certain things, and at the end of the day, you just got to pick it up, you know, watch film, and and get better, you know. You know. Yeah, it was just a kind of a wild game there at the end. There was several like um, targeting calls there in the fourth quarter, and you know, it was just kind of a wild game at the end. And Pitt pulled it out, thirty thirty eight thirty one, I believe, was the score. Yeah, it was 38-31, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, what did you think you found out about Pitt, offensive-wise? I thought they were uh, pretty good. I thought they did. Um, I, they still, you know, losing Kenny Pickett to the draft, you know, losing their top receiver to USC, it, it's still going to be noticeable. Um, they're going to win some games. Um, their defense, I thought, played fair at times. But their defense needs a little work, so – I don't think Pitt's going to have the type of year they had last year where they went to the Peach Bowl and whatnot, but I really think that Pitt could have a really good year otherwise. I think they could win, you know, eight or nine games, still get to a good bowl, yeah. but this week we'll find out how good they really are with Tennessee coming to town. Oh, yeah. Um, this sure. will be a big challenge for them. Yeah, 100% for sure on that. Uh, Tennessee's got a great offense, so. All right, so on the same night, basically almost the same time that they were playing was the Penn State-Purdue game, and it went back and forth. And Sean Clifford orchestrated a pretty nice drive at the very end to score with like 20-some seconds left and beat Purdue at home um, on Thursday night, and it was a great game to watch as well. It was. 
you know, Purdue had multiple chances to milk the clock late in the game, and it was just miserable how they how they did it. You know, they they just gained four yards on five plays, and every single one of them was a pass. Right, and they wouldn't run in the ball. They wouldn't run the ball, and when you're in that situation, you're up three, and you know you got even when they had the ball with uh you know three minutes to go, they had a chance to run the ball out, and you know elapse some time, knock some time off the clock, but yet they didn't do that. They they played too conservative, I think, and that gave Penn State an opportunity to to win the game. You know when they come down. Penn State did, and they did what they had to do. Um, they marched in 80 yards in eight plays. Um, you know, Sean Clifford didn't have the best game, but he did what he had to do late in the game to win. And I feel like, you know, that was a big win for Penn State, especially on the road in a tough environment. And, you know, they got the dub, and Purdue is trying to think, how did we let this game slip away? Well, I mean, you know, Clifford got a little bit of redemption. Um, Purdue beat them last year. That right? Yeah, and that, that's that's a that's a big thing for Clifford. I mean, a lot of people has been on top of him, you know, where he's, you know, not being real consistent. But I felt like, you know, winning that game Thursday night really might have set the tone to maybe, hopefully, he can be better this season and and show Penn State that he can be a better quarterback. Right. Well, the next game I want to talk about. One of the big games of Saturday, Ohio State and Notre Dame. Um, you know, Notre Dame played toe to toe with them for three, three and a half quarters. Kind of seemed to run out of gas a little bit at the end. But what I want to ask you is um, both teams, actually, with Ohio State and Notre Dame, um, it was a kind of a defensive battle and they showed pretty good on the defensive side of the ball. They did. I, I was really impressed with Ohio State's defense. Um, you know, their offense, they was, it was, one of them got hurt. Um, Smith Nagba, their, their top receiver. I think that's how, how you spell his name. If not, I just butchered it. But, <laughs> but anyways, you know, I felt like, you know, Ohio State, you know, played a really good game defensively. Um, they didn't cover versus Notre Dame. Um, that was another thing. But the defense, they held the Irish to just 25.3 yards, 253 yards, I'm sorry. Three of 13 on third downs and just 12 total first downs under Jim Knowles, the new defensive coordinator. Um, but the defense was so much improved from a year ago. You could see it all over the field, you know, that this defense is going to be for real this year. Um the offense needs a little work, but like I said, they was missing two of their top guys. And when you're missing two of your top guys, it, it's kind of hard to make some plays because um, you're relying on new guys to come in there and fill roles. So, but overall, I felt like, you know, Ohio State played a really good game defensively. Um, even Notre Dame, Notre Dame played really well. Um, they just couldn't be consistent on offense. They couldn't make, they couldn't put drives together at times. Um, but it's a learning experience, you know, especially with Marcus Freeman being a first year coach. Right. You know, it was, it was definitely a struggle offensively for both teams for most of the game. Um, you know, it was 10 to seven into the third, you know, into the fourth quarter. 
Um, Ohio State, you know, pulled away, kind of warmed down, I felt like, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you look at the Ohio State defense, That that's what, like I said, that's what I'm most impressed with. Do you is, think that's going to be a staple for the rest of the year, or do you think that was just first game and we'll have to see from now on out if that's I think it is. Happen? I mean, you look at Jim Knowles. He was at Oklahoma State, and he turned that defense around, and they played just exactly like the Oklahoma State defense that was under him, and it – that's scary to think about because, you know, it shows that this team can be better defensively. You know, even last year during the Michigan game, you know, it was, it was a lot of holes. Michigan would run through and they were just gaping holes to find yardage. And I think they, they shored that up this year with the addition of Knowles and, and they're figuring out, you know, Hey, we can have a defense too that will match our offense. Right. Yeah, it was definitely a good game to watch. It really was, yeah. You know, on the same night, Utah and Florida was on, and I watched a whole lot of that game. It was a it was a very competitive game, back and forth the entire night, pretty much. Um, I thought there was a lot of chances that Utah let slip away. Um, the game could have been a little bit further out reach, I thought. There was a couple of drives. They got stopped one time um, at the one-yard line. Um, and, you know, honestly, in that on that drive, I thought that there should have been a replay or two to see whether or not he crossed the goal. The ball did. Um, and it never came. The swamp was rowdy. And Florida was playing into it. And Florida pulled it out at the end. And what did you think about that game, John? I like the fact that, you know, Anthony Richardson, you know, all last year everybody was clamoring for him to come into the game and play, and now he's got his opportunity to play. And he reminds me of a young Cam Newton, just very mobile, can make plays with his feet. Um, he needs to improve a little bit on the passing game. But overall, I thought I felt like he played a really good game. Um, I felt like their D line played pretty good. Um, you know, they was pushing Utah around quite a bit. Um, the biggest thing I take away from this game is, you know, everybody's thinking, oh, the Utes are, are a fraud and all this stuff. No, I don't think they are. I, I think they're still in the mix for a Pac 12 championship. They just played a really good team on the road that might be better than we thought they would be. And, you know, Billy Napier is going to be a heck of a coach for Florida. You know, they never got tore up on the sidelines. They was confident the whole night. Um, you know, I, I noticed it in the players. The, the players' energy was alive. The fans was alive. It was a sellout, you know. And and then with the with the whole pick at the end of the game, that changed, you know, with 17 seconds to go. And, you know, you got the crowd behind you. I mean, it was just a, it was a, just a huge win for Florida in the swamp and what makes this even bigger is now they got Kentucky coming up and then they got I think Tennessee in two weeks so we're going to find out how good Florida is in the coming weeks and see if they can build upon this win and I don't think this is going to hurt Utah in much as their playoff hopes 
but it leaves them with no margin for error the rest of the year. They they can't afford another loss. And Cameron Rising comes in, <coughs> you know, and had quite a bit of hype on him this year, and so did Utah. And, mm-hmm. you know, he had them right there at, like, the six-yard line, 22 seconds to go. Um, and they were only down three. And, I mean, in, in my book – you can't throw that pass that he threw was horrible. I mean, it, it had no chance. The guy, his receiver was falling down. There's three. He's trying to thread it between three um, Florida defenders, three feet from the ground, and I, I just thought it was a terrible pass. And, a, and a I terrible, did too. It kind of reminds me. It kind of reminds me of the play that happened in the Seattle. New England Super Bowl, where you just throw it and it's there's nobody there, and you make a mistake like that and it's just it hurts you. I think he was it throwing just, it to a tight end, but the tight end was falling down backwards, falling back, um, and it, you know he had to throw it low. And it was just I mean, it was just a mess up from the beginning, yeah. You know, and and you know they had another. It was like second or third down. They had another down or two. And all they really had to do was, if they didn't get in the end zone, is to kick a field goal and tie the game, send it to overtime. Yeah. You know, so I thought Utah made a few pretty bad mistakes towards the end of that game. Um, And that's, it was costly, you know. It was, yeah. It was a great game. The swamp was rowdy as, as usual. And you're right, Kentucky's going there this week. And they do get Florida um, in a couple of weeks. I mean, Tennessee in a couple of weeks. So, you know, we're going to find out just how, just where Billy Napier has them, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Yeah. So the next game I want to talk about is Cincinnati and Arkansas. And this game, Arkansas, I thought Arkansas done a good job of kind of trying to keep this game at a, reasonable distance you know they were up 14 then they'd cut it to seven they'd put it back up 14 put it you know down to seven um and i thought arkansas done a good job um keeping cincinnati who is a a good football team at a distance i did too i I felt like you know um the Cincinnati quarterback had some mistakes. You know, they had what the scoop fumble. They had they had a lot of mistakes in this game, and you can't do that, especially um, on the road against a team like Arkansas. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, losing Desmond Ritter last year was really tough on them. You know, they lost quite a bit on their defense, so you you can't make the mistakes that. Cincinnati made um, Saturday against a really good team like Arkansas. And it was, you know, when K.J. Jefferson had a really big game, and I felt like the final drive was probably the most impressive of it all, is, you know, they run, what, five minutes off the clock and just secured the victory. Like, you know, Arkansas teams, what, two or three years ago could have never done that. But – the, the team has changed. The coaching has changed. They're taking on the um, – how do I say this? They're taking on the mentality of their coach 
way Pittman plays physical football. Right. So this was a really, this was a really nice win for Arkansas. I thought um, Vickles' team went in and and had a good showing though, especially losing the players that they've lost from last year. It was, it was, but you know, and another thing too, they they was arm tackling out there, you know, KJ Jefferson at times, and you can't do that against a, a kind of player of his caliber. You got to you got to wrap up and do things, you know. And they just didn't do that Saturday. Um, but there's nobody that means more to his team than KJ does what he does to Arkansas. He, he's probably one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Right. So the last game I want to touch is last night's game, Florida State against LSU. You know, that was a wild game. Um, it was, uh, a game that Florida State led. Most of the game, maybe all of the game, except for the beginning. Um, and LSU had a chance at the end. And, you know, they had some special teams problems last night. Yeah, it was. Just, just a little bit, you know. Yeah. And, and at the end, you know, they, uh, they, they get a, a play where, where they maybe shouldn't have got a play to begin with. And they score the touchdown, and everybody's going wild. It's in New Orleans, and everybody's going wild. And in the meantime, they have to run the special teams out and the field goal team out. And while everybody's kind of celebrating, they get this extra point blocked. So, yeah. um, you know, it ends it ends in a crazy fashion. And uh, what do you think about this game? Well, you know, you had – the turn of events that happened, you know, Florida State had the game one when neighbors muffed the punt with two minutes to go. Then they got to the two or three yard line and they was trying to pitch the ball. Yeah. Um, Florida State and they fumbled it. Right. And LSU got it back. LSU goes down and scores and then they had a review on whether he was down in inbounds and they had one more play. Well, they got the one more play back. They scored a touchdown, and then all of a sudden, everybody's celebrating, thinking, oh, LSU's tied this game. We're going to overtime. Then they block it. Like, that sums up the whole weekend, this and weekend. They had, they had blocked a field goal earlier in that game, too, right? They did. Yeah. Um, I think it was early in the game. Um, I think Jared Verse was the one um, who blocked the first one, if I'm not mistaken. He might have blocked the second one. I can't remember. Um, but, you know, neighbors, he even muffed two punts on the night. And there was a lot of talk after the game where he was throwing his team under the bus and whatnot. And it, it was just – overall, it was just a bad night for LSU. And, you know, another concern that I really have with LSU is their offensive line. It was really bad. Um, Daniels, their quarterback, he just never seemed to be comfortable in the pocket. Like, he would try to run out the majority of the time, and it would frustrate the receivers. Um, you know, there's just a lot of issues that need to be worked out between now and next week. Well, their star receiver um, has been having some, you know, he had some issues last night. Didn't felt like he got targeted enough, Boutte, last night. Um, I think he had, he, he had some words for Brian Kelly, I think, afterwards. From way out from the some of the tweets and stuff that I've seen today, 
Yeah, it, it's just a, you know, it's the first game of the year. You know, there's going to be some mess ups. There's going to be some screw ups. You're going to have times where everybody's not going to be on the same page offensively. You know, I felt like their defense played fair. Um, they still need a lot of work. I felt like they've done some really good things, blitzing and stunting some things. But overall, they're just going to have to work on being better offensively. You know, get these playmakers involved, neighbors, um, Boutte, um, Jenkins, you know, the guys that are, you know, top guys to throw to. Because if LSU can get this figured out offensively, I think this could be a really good football team. And I even said it, what, a couple of weeks ago that I felt like LSU can win some games they're not supposed to. But that's all depending on this offensive line and the quarterback situation and getting it figured out. And you need to get it figured out quick because if you look at LSU's schedule, it don't benefit them really well. No, they have a tough schedule, that's for sure. And this Florida State game was, you know, in New Orleans was supposed to be a win for them. So, you know, And that's not to take nothing away from Florida State. Florida State's an improved football team, you know, Travis is the real deal, the quarterback. I feel like he's going to be a really good player. Um, Ward, the running back, um, he's going to be good. Um, so Florida State's very much improved. You know, they went through the transfer portal and got a lot of really good players. They got, um, they also have Ontario Wilson, their wide receiver. He's really good. Um, you know, so there's a lot to be excited about if you're an FSU fan right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they've, you know, that game last night is an absolute monster of a win for them and their program and for uh, Norville. Um, you know, they've they've been through a lot the last few years. And for him to, you know, finally win one on a big stage like that for Florida State is is huge for them. It really is. It's a big win for them. Oh, yeah. So, is there any other games throughout the weekend that you want to that you want to mention or talk about, or any other teams? Uh, Georgia is a juggernaut. Uh, yeah, that was one thing I noticed Saturday. Um, Georgia's on a completely different level. Um, they might not lose the rest of the year, and and I, you know, I had high expectations for them. Um, this season coming into the year, but I was one of the ones that said, well, they might not repeat, but if you watch their offense Saturday, uh, and this was against a really good Oregon defense that had a lot coming back veterans and they just absolutely bombarded them, um, right off the bat, you know, this offense is so talented. You know, they got Brock Bowers, they got Ladd McConkey, they got Mitchell, um, you know, and, and you add in Kenny McIntosh at running back and you add in Stetson Bennett, this might be the best Georgia offense they've had in quite a while. You know, and an, another the- thing, I'll give you another little quick bit. They put up 571 total yards on a defense that was probably one of the better ones coming into the season. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I mean, they, they were, they had their second team offense in, in the third quarter. Georgia. Yeah. And the biggest thing, too, Oregon's defensive front couldn't put any pressure on Bennett. He was comfortable in the pocket. And they had they didn't even have one sack. And that's concerning as a defense when you can't do that against a really good team like Georgia. Um, 
I mean, you look at Georgia's schedule coming up. They got Sanford at South Carolina, Kent State at Missouri, um, Vanderbilt, Florida and Jacksonville, Tennessee at Mississippi State. Where are they going to lose one at? Uh, and their schedule, I, mean, I, said, I, mean, I said it preseason. I mean, honestly, their schedule, I mean, they could, I think they could easily be 12 and 0. And, you know, I, I mean, looking at their schedule, I don't see too many chances for them to be challenged at all, to be honest. Now, I think one game that could be would be Florida, maybe. It might be more competitive than we expected, you know, with the how the Gators look week one. Right. Um, you know, maybe Kentucky. I mean, you know, but. And Tennessee's offense is going to give them a little bit of fits, probably. But in the long run, do I think Georgia's defense is better than Tennessee's offense? I do. And the dogs have won seven straight in Lexington, too. So, and, you know, we, they've won the last 12 overall in the series. So they've got <laughs> Kentucky's number pretty well. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think those are the three games is Florida, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Maybe Mississippi State. They play Georgia at, at has Mississippi left. State. Yeah. You so know. you just don't know. And and another thing I like to point out um, is Mac Brown in North Carolina. Wow. Honestly, that game that game was amazing. They barely escaped <laughs> the game Saturday. Yeah. You know, the defensive unit was pitiful. They gave up 40 points and 338 yards in the fourth quarter. In one quarter, yes. In yes. one quarter. Yes. And then last week against Florida uh, A&M, they gave up 335 yards, and that was with, what, 20 players missing for FAMU? Yeah, yeah, they had 20 players suspended just, for that game. Well, and next week they played Georgia State, which they should they should win that game. Um, but this is the Tar Heel schedule after a bye. They have games against North Carolina, Virginia Tech, at Miami. And then they go at Duke. And then they come and play Pitt, Virginia, and Wake Forest. So I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't finish. They might struggle to even finish 500, to be honest. Well, and and Coach Mac Brown is dancing in the locker room and putting it all yeah, out there I mean, and stuff. And, you know, they're sneaking out these wins against, you know, not – terrible opponents but you know lower tier than top notch they won't and I, I think there's going to be you know i don't even think this is another thing to add to this i don't even think there's a group of five teams that will even get to the playoffs this year i mean you look at cincinnati they didn't play real well um i think Houston, cincinnati's done with it with their loss i don't see they they play yeah, they play no more ranked teams and i don't think they have a chance well when you look at you look at houston they had to go to what four overtimes to beat or no three overtimes to beat utsa yeah and then they got to go on the road again this week and face texas tech so i just don't see a team in the um Group of five making it to a playoff. Maybe when the model expands to 12 um, by 2026, maybe they get another team in there. But I just don't – I don't see a team out of that group. And, you know, even the Pac-12, they're already gone. 
Oregon's gone. I think Utah's I mean, the out. The only team left in the Pac-12 that would even have a chance would be USC. Is USC, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, an underrated game I watched um, Saturday night. I was coming home from, from the UK game Saturday night. And with Syracuse and Louisville, um, Syracuse had one heck of an opener. Um, Syracuse had lost the last previous matchups, listen to this, by an average of 30 points per game. And, you know, they looked really good on the ground. Sean Tucker um, was great on the ground. They had Jarrett Schrader. He threw for two touchdowns. Um, you know, Louisville, there was a lot of hype around this Louisville team. And how good they was going to be, you know, Malik Cunningham coming out and doing what he was doing, and he he was pitiful uh, Saturday night. The Syracuse they, got two picks off of him, didn't they? And they did, yeah. And one was just a dumb throw on Malik Cunningham's part. He was just he threw it right to him. Um, and you know, next week Syracuse plays UConn. Um, will probably be favored. Then they um, I think they play Clemson October twenty second. They play Purdue at home. Um, then they play Virginia Wagner. So Syracuse could be a threat maybe to Clemson this year. With And I'm watching Clemson now, and I'm not real in, impressed with the quarterback situation. Maybe it changes later on in the year I with DJ. I think they but, got a five-star that's sitting there that if, if, if DJ struggles, I think he'll get a shot. He will. And I've been watching this defense, and, yeah, it's Georgia Tech, but this defense for Clemson is fast. They are quick. They get to the football. Um, the Simpson kid, the linebacker, he might be one of the best linebackers I've seen in quite a while, just speed-wise. Like, there's speed all over this defense. And please, Clemson, I'm, I'm begging you. I, I'm giving you my, my props. Get you an offense to match this defense because if you don't, you won't be going to the playoffs. You've got to have – some kind of some kind of semblance of an offense. All right, man. With that said, I'm going to go into one of my segments that we're going to do this year, um, this for the football season. I'm calling it the pick six. Um, the pick six is how a few games was won over the weekend, and uh, so our pick six basically we're going to pick a topic and do our top six. So this week for week one, I'm going to ask you after. After one week, who do you think would be your top six teams after one week that you that you have seen? Who would you put in your top six? My top six. I believe you would have um, Georgia number one. I think you you flip them. Um, I think you have Georgia, uh, Alabama. Um. I'm trying to think. Ohio State's got to be in Ohio there. State would probably be three. Um, I would say Clemson would be four. Even with the quarterback issues, they're still four. Um, Michigan would be five. And I think you got to put Oklahoma in there at six. Um, they really put together an impressive day in um, Norman Saturday. So you got Oklahoma as your 16? I do. All right. Well, I mean, you know, looking at the games from last week, I think it's pretty easy to have 
I don't know about the order, but, you know, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, one, two, three. I think that's pretty easy to do um, after looking at all the games last week. Um, and they're that, they're kind of the staples of that bunch anyway. Clemson, yeah. I you know, they do have a, a great D. I'm not sold on their offense yet, and I think there is two or three teams in the ACC that could challenge them. Um, and just as I just as I say that Georgia Tech just scores, it's fourteen to ten Clemson. Yeah, I think there's two or three teams in the in the ACC that can challenge them if they don't find a good quarterback and a good offense. You know, so you know that's that's one thing on my end for them. Um, and I think Michigan and Oklahoma are probably probably two solid teams to put it five and six right now. And I just think it's a fun little segment for us to do um, mm-hmm. after each week, maybe us pick a topic. And this was the one that I wanted to go with this week. So our second segment is going to be called No Fly Zone. No Fly Zone is going to be kind of some hot topics. And I'm going to ask you about them. And you're going to tell me whether you think it should fly or not fly. So fly or no fly. 12-team playoff. What do you think about that? Fly. I think it should fly because it gives the other teams a chance to to do damage and and make a run to the playoff. Um, You know, beyond Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and the others, there's not a a lot of hope when you get to the, the Final Four, maybe the championship. But you're giving teams a better opportunity to get in and giving them an opportunity to play for a championship. And I feel like that's what a lot of these teams and a lot of these players want, and that's a chance at competing for a title. So I feel like, you know, you got the teams like Houston, you got teams like Cincinnati that don't get there very often. A team, Say you get a team like Iowa State, Iowa, somebody that's not been there as, as often, they get into that little that pod there, the, the 12-team playoff, and they get to host a, a first-round matchup, you know, that's a big deal to their program. That's a big deal to their, um, you know, school. So I feel like it's a it's a good thing for them to have, and it, it will work out very very well. And I think it will uh, it will be a good thing to do, and it'll be a fly thing. And I think it's a it's a fly. So yeah, uh, well, let's, to, let's go with the fly. All right. Well, to to kind of expand on that, so I like it. You know, I, at first, I wasn't too fond of the 12-team playoff. I thought it was too many teams, to be honest with you. I was more in the 18-team playoff range is where I was. But as I've studied this a little bit more, I really like the format that they've come up with. Um, you got the four top like conference champions in the rank in the college football playoff rankings will will have a bye, and then the top six conference teams will all get in at automatic berth, and then they're taking the next six available teams from the rankings. So I do like that format. My my concern with the 12 team playoff was this i thought that you know there was a chance that an unranked or a 24th ranked team or something 
could sneak into the playoffs. And I just don't think that's a good format for college football. But I think the way they've got this set up, that will probably keep that from happening. Um, Because let's say, you know, teams 6 through 14, you know, don't get in. Well, those, you know what I mean? Those six are the ones that's going to get the, the, uh, the spots outside of the automatic berths. So I'm going to have to agree with you, even though I was kind of against the 12 team playoff, I'm going to have to fly with it. And, and it's a little bit exciting because it allows teams a shot. And I think maybe Mark Stoops stays, maybe Kentucky might even have a shot one day. What do you think? You never know about a, about a, opportunity like that it's just it you just don't never know with recruiting the way it is it can it can happen at any time right so my next topic man is going to be the transfer windows you know that's something that kind of quietly passed there's a couple of transfer things that i'm going to ask you about the transfer windows passed i think maybe last friday thursday or friday and it kind of quietly passed but what that is, is there's going to be like a 60-day window where you can transfer, put your name in the portal. And besides that, um, you can't do that anymore. And I think um, that that's where, you know, that's, I just wanted to see, do you think that should fly or no fly? Um, I'm kind of in between on that because, you know, certain players are looking for better situations. Um, and then you got the 60 day window, like you said, where they have to make up their mind, I believe. And I just feel like you got to give these kids time to, to figure out where they want to go and what they want to do. So I feel like, you know, I think the 60, um, window, 60, what is it? 60 day window. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think it should, I think it should be a full, full phone transfer um because you know kids nowadays it's a lot different than it was when we was growing up um you know there's chances at playing time there's chances at being at a better school um you can you can get a better um football um find a better prestige of football somewhere maybe the sec like say a kid comes from a JUCO and he goes to a SEC school and he don't get that very often. He's going to take that opportunity. And I feel like, you know, this should be a, um, no fly zone. If we're looking at it from a 60 day window. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to be on the other side of it. I like it. I, you know, I think that in today's game, all of a sudden in the last two or three years, I believe that, you know, people, you know, you, you have one bad game or, you know, one bad thing happens or whatever, and people are just exiting out and, and you know, quitting basically on their team. And, and I'm not, I, you know, I, I'm really not all for that. I, I think when you sign up and you sign in for somebody, I mean, I think you should have to play it out. And the next year, window opens. If it doesn't work out great, then you transfer. I mean, you know, I'm, so last night's LSU game, you know, this morning, there's talk that uh, Keishon Boutte might transfer, put his name in the portal. Well, 
you know, I don't, I just don't agree with that. I don't agree that that, that that even should be a possibility. One week, one week, one game in, first Saturday into a season, and, there, you know, to have a window open that he can just quit on his team, I'm not for that, so. Okay, I think I think we got confused on what you were saying. You're saying if they quit during the season. Well, I mean, so it's been open, period, as far as I know. Okay, right? I see what you're saying now, yeah. I was getting confused. No, I don't agree with that. I don't agree if during the middle of the year they're playing bad or they ain't getting along with their coaches, they they just get up and quit. Now, I don't agree. With, now, at the end of the year, if they want to, there's an opportunity to move on to another school, then, then just so be it. But don't quit on your team in the middle of the season. I think, I think I was getting, I think I got confused on what she was trying to say. So yeah, I believe yeah. this is a no fly thing for me. All right. Well, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with it is, you know, I like the, the 60 day window after the season. You know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of like that. So that's where I'm at with it. And another thing that did not pass last week with the transfers and they were t- there was talk that they were going to do away with the one-time transfer rule for eligibility immediate eligibility and they did not pass that last week so i want to know is that a fly or no fly for you do you like the idea that they didn't pass it or do you not mm, I, d- I do I just, you know, there's so many changes with the transfer and so many players going from here to there. I think, I think it changes a lot of things, you know? Yeah. You know, my thing with it is this, they've, we've got the NIL now. And I think if you open up where they can transfer anytime they want to, I think you're basically opening up to players being bought. Yeah. It's a, it's a free agency thing. Yeah, it's basically a free agency thing. And I and free agency in pro football, you you know, you have to sign two, three, four, five year deals and you can only be a free agent ever so often. You know what I mean? Where if you open this up in the NCAA for these college football players, that would be an every year thing. You could, you know, Miami offers you you know whatever a three million dollars this year and then whatever you know texas offers you 400 million dollars the next year or whatever you know what i'm saying like you could just hop along anytime <laughs> anywhere you, you want to go yeah right and so i don't agree with the doing away with the one-time rule i'm kind of glad that they kept it that way so to to pass keeping it i'm gonna be on the fly i, I like that rule yeah I'll, I'll stay with the fly um i just don't because if you do all that it's just gonna make it it's gonna make it a headache and then my last topic i wanted to mention to you is scott frost you're gonna fly with scott frost or are you no fly no fly <laughs> i think i think he's gone after the oklahoma game you think so you know, you look at it last week, they lost to Northwestern, should have won. Then this week, they struggled to even beat North Dakota. Um, you know, something's, something's not right there. I don't know whether it's coaching. Well, apparently it is coaching some of it, but 
you look at his time at UCF, he had some absolute really good teams. And I just don't know what's happening at Nebraska. If it's, you know, he can't get the players in there. He can't, I don't know. It's actually, just, actually, it's mind- John, do you know what I've seen today? It's mind-boggling. I've seen a list today of Big Ten teams with the most four- and five-star guys on their roster. Do you know that Nebraska was listed as fourth with the most four- and five-star guys on their roster? It's pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, so... And he did that at UCF, and I don't know what the difference is. I I, I just don't... Whether it's just him being home, he can't... The fans are pushing on him. I don't. I don't know. I, I'm just lost at how bad this Nebraska team is. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, I to be honest with you, I was surprised that he even got to coach this past week. Um, to be honest with you, and Oklahoma's coming to town not this coming week. It's the next one, right? And and then what's going to happen? is we'll be back on this, and he'll have upset Oklahoma. That's the way it usually goes. <laughs> That's You're probably right. You're probably right on that. You know, if they if he can pull that off, why, well, he's probably got a job, at least for the rest of the year. Yeah, he's, he's staying if he wins <laughs> that game. Yeah, at least for the rest of the year, no matter what happens. I still think they'll get to a bowl. I just, I just think that if he ends up with six – like everybody's predicting, I just don't see Nebraska sticking with him next year. Yep, I I kind of agree with you on that one. I mean, even even where they haven't been to a bowl game in quite a while, what was it, four years? I think it's six. And six, maybe. And they still get to a bowl. I still think a bowl ain't going to save his job. Six and six ain't going to save it. Yeah, I don't think so either. Because Nebraska is a traditionally powerhouse program. You know, you look at Tom Osborne. He had, you know, Lawrence Phillips, Tommy Frazier, um, Amon Green. They had Mike Rozier. I mean, there's so many talented players that have come through Nebraska. And this shouldn't be the case going on at, at the University of Nebraska. This this should not be happening as a as a fan and especially as a program. No, I agree. And, they, you know, they hired Scott Frost and thought he was going to be the guy that would turn it around for him, and it just hasn't happened. I still feel like they messed up when they let go of um, Bo Pelini. I think Bo Pelini was doing a good job there, and they just they got they went the other directions and – and things just haven't been right since then. Right. All right. Do you have any other hot topics you want to talk about for fly or no fly? Mm, not that I know of. Um, right, I know man. Kentucky got a Kentucky got a big win this weekend. Um, there's still a lot of work to do on the Kentucky side of things, but we'll be after it tomorrow to discuss the Kentucky trip to Florida, and we'll talk a little bit about the Miami Ohio game, what they need to work on in order to beat Florida on Saturday. Yep, we're going to put out our U.K. recap and look ahead um, probably tomorrow, guys. So just be. Okay, well, I'll talk to you.